Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash BGM podcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audibletrial.com forward slash BGM podcast. If you sign up for your 30-day trial, you have the opportunity to take advantage of the Harry Potter series written by J.K. Rowling and chronicles the life of a young wizard and his friends who attend Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. All seven novels from The Sorcerer's Stone to The Deathly Hallows is now available at audible.com. So take advantage of the offer to get the 30-day free trial using audibletrial.com forward slash BGM podcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash BGM podcast. Welcome to our Jessica Jones show. We decided to drop a new episode specially made for all of you Jessica Jones fans out there. So everything that we're talking about on this entire show is going to be about the Netflix show that dropped on November 20th. If you've binge watched it already, awesome. You get a check mark and a gold star. Before I even go further, I hope that all of you have seen it because there are going to be spoilers. We've got two segments ready for you. And in both segments, we are going to talk about the series episodes one through 13. So spoilers will be had in each segment. So enjoy the show and thanks for listening. For our next segment, we talked with the women from the Woman Up podcast. Sarah the Rebel and Katrina Dennis. Sarah the Rebel is a writer, podcast host, and streamer. She's the author of Marvel's Agent Carter, Season 1, Declassified, published by Marvel Entertainment, and an upcoming fantasy novel with her cousin, best-selling author, Letitia Newton. By day, she is a writer for Loot Crate, and at night, she streams on Twitch and freelances as a games writer. Sarah co-hosts the Woman Up podcast. Sarah has worked for companies such as Geek & Sundry, Maker Studios, and 47. She also founded Nerdy But Flirty, a feminist gaming website. Katrina Dennis is a writer, host, and musician from New York City. She currently serves as a senior editor at MoviePilot.com and hosts an array of podcasts, including Woman Up alongside Sarah. A diehard fangirl, one might find her in either a comic store or obsessing over the latest trailer for The Force Awakens.
welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is our Jessica Jones show. We are talking about all things Jessica Jones. So before we get started on this, I just want you guys to know if you have not seen Jessica Jones, spoilers abound. Do not listen to the rest of this because we will be revealing a lot of spoilers. I would assume, though, at this point, you have at least seen some episodes of the series on Netflix that premiered on November 20th. I'm really excited, though, because I have two wonderful ladies who I admire. did a panel with one of them, and these are the ladies of the Woman Up podcast. It airs every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I have here Sarah and Katrina. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. Hello. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. So this is exciting to me because, you know, I I want to geek out as long as I possibly can on Jessica Jones because it's like the best thing I've seen on television. And by far, it it exceeds all of my expectations um, that has come out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I wanted to know, first of all, I'll start with you, Sarah. What was your takeaways when you first finished Jessica Jones? Um, I was actually pretty shocked. And and like you said, it's no exaggeration to say this is the best thing that Marvel has made on television or Netflix or, I mean, personally, even I like it better than a lot of the movies. Mm. Um, I was really, really surprised that they let a woman tell a woman's story so truthfully. Right. Props to Melissa Rosenberg, showrunner of Jessica Jones. How about you, Katrina? What was your takeaway? Uh, there are, honestly, like, uh, I've had a couple people who keep trying to make me choose between Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and I mean, that Jessica Jones has been one of the most well-put-together, well-thought-out shows, uh, in any of their history. I would honestly put this above Agent Carter, um, Mm. and while I still have certain problems with it that maybe we'll get to touch on, uh, I think that, overall, I really like the show. I wanted to, I want to say that it's the, it's the best, certainly, out of, out of the entire lineup of the MCU overall, um, but my biggest takeaway is that when Marvel puts women in charge to tell the stories of women, things get done properly. Right. And I think it was done very delicately given the subject matter that we had to work with because a lot of people were concerned that this story that surrounded Jessica Jones the lead protagonist and Kilgrave also known in the comics as the purple man like there's some really heavy stuff happening in the comics there is a lot of brutality and manipulation and rape that happens and people were concerned how this is going to be transcending on the small screen how this is going to be handled but I think Melissa Rosenberg and her team did a phenomenal job with handling that very carefully and not having to be so gratuitous with showing the actual rape act itself and and the violence behind it. So um, what were your thoughts about just the overall handling of the theme of manipulation and brutality and rape with this villainous character? Where do I even start? Um, first of all, as a woman who's been through some crap in her life, uh, I was initially pretty nervous about Jessica Jones, and I even had some people like, hey, you better watch out, Sarah, there's some triggers, you know, et cetera. And so I did some research before watching it, and that may have also helped me, you know, be prepared for it. But I just think it was handled so well in that it wasn't necessarily things that I even think um, everyone got, you know, like how many men watching the show got the significance 
of Kilgrave telling her to smile. Mm. Um, how many people got the significance of her being in bed and um, the the other character? I don't know how much how deep we're going into spoilers, but Jessica saying you have to leave and her saying I can't leave. He told me I can't leave, and what that actually means. Uh, the the whole show is like a code written for me almost. It felt like, and I. I felt like I connected with each of these women and I got what the show was trying to express without it being too hokey. I completely and 100% uh, agree with Sarah there. And I, I love the way that the show, I hate to say it, I love the way this is done because it's right. But um, when you, it's a lot like Mad Max. We didn't need to see what happened in Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not only that, the fact that it wasn't seen and it's more implied and you see all of the trauma from it, but this is the first show that I have, like, watched and the first media from Marvel that's just been, like, openly saying the word rape and saying right. that it happened and that it's real. And the fact so. that Jessica Jones said that she was raped. They didn't try to dance around it or be evasive with the term. They were just really blunt with saying that. And one of the things that I found really phenomenal about this story was I felt like I was living vicariously through this character, which I haven't had that experience before in a Marvel property. Each time that Kilgrave was gaslighting her and emotionally manipulating her, I started feeling sympathy for his character. I started feeling empathy for him. And, you know, this this guy is the master of manipulation. And here I am as the viewer feeling the same kind of feelings that Jessica felt. Did you guys have that experience when you saw David Tennant's performance on this film or Um, series? Yeah, it's easy to call it a film because it's just so beautifully made. Yeah. Um, I would say that I really connected with Jessica. In fact, I I was watching the show and thinking, wow, this is me. If I was a superhero, this is so awkward. Why do I have any friends? (laughs) Um, But for Kate. Well, I mean, why do you even like me? I'm a jerk. I'm just like Jessica. Um, But as far as Kilgrave himself, I never felt personal sympathy for him, but I I felt very aware of what he was doing and and almost a little angry at him. Mm. Um, Like I say, if I'm putting myself in Jessica's shoes, I'm feeling that like, oh, you you disgust me feeling. So I agree with you. I was definitely 100% there and, and in the moment in every episode. Yeah, I, um, I, I I related to Jessica and I guess also uh, Trish in a way, whose character was beautifully fleshed out. Yeah. Um, and it, it honestly, the way they addressed her as Trish for a certain amount of time and then dropped that big old, like, she's Patsy Walker. And by the way, you know how we're making a new Hellcat comic? Yes. And so I, I, I love the way both of them were handled. And I, um, I have a complicated relationship with my sister. So seeing their adoptive sisterhood uh, and and the way that they got through their troubles as well kind of brought it home for me. And I love that overall, like the women are so involved with each other in this show. There are so many notes that are just like, I wish I had this in TV. And then they just hit every, every little requirement or almost every little requirement that I wanted it to. But yeah, I, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, even like you're saying, when they were having that conversation after the cop guy spent the night and kind of ignoring him and his oh, yeah. suggestions and needs, I was just like, yes. Yeah. Well, I, and I like the way they kind of, I'm sorry, Darren. Um, I like the way they kind of make you go back and forth on, on the, um, particularly Kilgrave and Simpson, where you have 
moments of sympathy and then you get over that moment and you're like, no, 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 no. Right. You are a bad person. Like you are the, you are the worst. I mean, they, they did a really good job of just making him a character that was just so manipulative and so devious that you, you fell for his tricks and he was controlling my mind just off the screen while watching him. And I haven't watched Doctor Who, so this is like my first experience at David Tennant. I know a lot of Whovians are like, I can't see him the same way, and why did they do that to the Tenth Doctor? I don't understand. But um, I, I now see him as Kilgrave. Like, I want to see him in more villainous roles after uh, watching Jessica Jones. He is darn so creepy. Yeah. He's so good at what he does uh, in those roles. And I think and I think it's just kind of hilarious because it's like, well, he's the one who signed the contract, so nobody did it to him. But um, I, I, I think it's really nice to see him broadening out in those roles as well. And especially taking on a villain like this, a villain who, you know, he's going to go down in our memories this way. And I think it was kind of uh, interesting for Tenet to take. Right. I would say between him and Loki, those are the oh, top yeah. two villains in Marvel right now. Absolutely. That, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Um, so what were, because we all of us have nothing but good things to say about Jessica Jones at this point. Yeah. Was there anything about the series that you didn't like that you felt fell short? Um, um, I feel that the people of color in the series uh, were I feel like they were kind of put to the back in the I, under the idea of feminism and saying we have to make this like a superwoman driven show and then Claire shows up and all she talks about is Daredevil. Mm. So it's kind of those were like the little things that irked me uh, about that. Um, and I under, understand the way Luke Cage was was uh, was put out. Like he was the love interest. That's his role. He's gonna get his own show anyway. And right. It'll be great and filled with people of color, but kind of wish that, like, we had more diversity in this cast. But outside of that, uh, that's it. <laughs> Again, one of those shows that kind of sort of paid lip interest to um, diversity. You know, we had, mm-hmm. like, the crack, the crackhead, you know, he's black, and mm-hmm. the love interest, he's black. Red Ranger. <laughs> yes. I did not know he was the Red Ranger until, like, a few days ago. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I remember well, him from my Empire. That view for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I also, I kept pointing this out um, with my friend when I was watching it. There were little things that right now I couldn't tell you about Luke Cage that let me know that white people had written him i hate to say that but Mm. just little little details about his life that i was like you know he comes off as a very specific kind of black man and i don't necessarily believe that based on that he would be doing this or saying this or speaking like this or i don't know just little things where i was like "Mm," you know that's not their fault they tried um but on the so i would agree with you yes i think diversity was a little bit of uh, an issue as as far as kind of like an ant-man where you had all these characters mm. of of different ethnicities but you could still tell that this was a white person's story and was right. written by white people who might not necessarily understand all the nuances of these different cultures that are now present in the story mm-hmm. um however i will say i was really pleased that uh, and I've I've heard different things from people, but I was personally really pleased that the other two women we see Luke with are both black women, whether um, they're black Latina or black mixed. They they both uh, look like black women to me. Yeah. Uh, because it helps 
show that this is not a character who we think of as white and we're just throwing anybody with him. Like, no, he is a black man and he happens to like women. Right. Um, so to me, that was very important. I 100% agree with you. Um, and I agree with you as well, Katrina. I think the women of color were sparse. I, I felt like that they had an opportunity to race bend just the same way that they gender bent um, Jerry Horgath by right. played by Carrie Ann Moss. You know, she was originally a guy in the comics and, and they could have used one of her lovers, um, her wife as a woman of color. Uh, there, there could have been so many opportunities for that. And, and I definitely feel like they felt fell very short in that capacity. Um, but also it, this may be a weird thing to say, but and, and now that I've written my article, I'm like, I should have mentioned this, but I could have done without Simpson. I know that he yeah. played kind of an <laughs> integral role, and, and it was pretty significant between the link of Trish with Jessica, but I just don't feel like it was necessary to have him in the in the show. And I honestly, like, he, for me, was the most annoying character and I hated him more than I hated Kilgrave <laughs> <laughs> to be I'm, honest I'm with you. I'm worried. Go on, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I just say I, I hated him more than Kilgrave and I, I think a lot of his antics um, was triggering for me as a person of color noticing a lot of the police brutality that's been happening as of late. Um, he was a very abusive cop and even before he got on those combatant pills he he was very abusive with his power so yeah, yeah it, he he was very much more of a villain to me than than Kilgrave didn't like yeah. him one uh, bit and he had stupid hair oh yeah <laughs> it's just like I looked at him and I'm like stop trying so hard to be Captain America like <laughs> you're never gonna do it those are not the same your highlights do not equal Chris Evans's color of hair like <laughs> calm down and he was um, very stalkery did you notice yeah. how he would just like randomly show up at Trish's apartment whenever and, and Jessica's apartment whenever? Just mm-hmm. well, the whole way that they ended up sleeping together the entire episode, I kept saying no, nope, no. This is this is the weirdest first date ever. No, this is like Stockholm syndrome. What is happening? Yep. I was very against how he and Trish initially got together. It that's I mean maybe if they'd drawn it out over a few episodes, like he did a few things to try and show like I'm so sorry and I want to make this up to you. Maybe I could have got with it, but the fact that they just sat all night and she just listened to her attacker through her her special phone and he gave her a gun. A, a, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there's a lot, um, he's, he's actually got some comic book history and I'm the, uh, like, he's the number one reason why I'm like, I hope that he's not the main villain of season two because yeah. in not to spoil too much, but those pills do lead into something. Um, and right. he's actually, yeah, uh, old school Marvel character. And, uh, I hope that he's not the main villain. I hope perhaps that his, villainy might be sub subused as uh as a as a plot line for trish to maybe become hellcat that would be awesome that would be awesome i've got to get that new comic by kate leth the uh the new hellcat comic um and and i i love the fact that for most of us you know jessica jones story i don't think is one of those marvel properties that are super popular so a lot of mm-hmm. us are um, becoming privy to Jessica Jones's lore and learning about other integral characters like Hellcat and the other character that she mentioned, White Tiger. 
which yes. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I really I, hope that I we see that. her. Hazel Torres, he's like, did you what, what cat? I mean, what tiger? And my friend was like, what, what are you? I was like, shh. And then we kept watching. <laughs> <laughs> so please let her have a very prominent, you know, existence in season two. We, we, we definitely need that. And obviously with a lot of us yearning for women of color to be represented in Jessica Jones, um, I definitely hope to see her appear in season two. I just read somewhere today that they may be pushing back season two, that we're not going to get it right away. Did you guys read that? Yeah, they're, I think what they want to do is run the first season of each series, except maybe Daredevil, and then do the Defenders event, and then follow into the next seasons. Okay. I hope that's what they're doing, and that they're not just, like, pushing Jessica Jones back for no reason. For no reason, right, right. (laughs) Well, they would be foolish to do so. I mean, it's got really high reviews. Plenty of people are saying it's even better than Daredevil when they're comparing them, so I, you know, I think this is a pretty solid hit for them. Yes, absolutely. There there was some points about the series that I really liked, too. And, Sarah, you agreed that the lighting was really oh, yeah. good. And I just, I'm, I'm a film geek, so anything that has to do with, like, really cool technical effects and special effects, I just get excited about. So they did a really phenomenal job with the ambient lighting, and I'm glad that they decided to use lighting to illustrate the fact that he's Purple Man rather than putting him in purple makeup. (laughs) Right. I I think it really worked, and I loved how it coded scenes. You know, even when she finds that room with her picture, did you notice what color the walls were in that room? You know, they just used it everywhere they could, and I think it just worked so well. Yeah. Yeah, The the club scene was a big one for me. Like, And it was crazy because, like, I started associating the color purple with this very scary person. And so when you knew, when you saw that, it was like, oh, God, where is he? Where is he? He's going to be in the shot, like, in one second. And I I love the way they set that up. Right. And then I also really love the way they lit um, Luke in the scenes with Luke and Jessica. Yeah. Uh, Because that's something that Hollywood sometimes struggles with um, when lighting people of different skin tones it's yes. a historical thing yep. and they lit his skin to be so beautiful like you could tell the lighting person was like i'm doing this with love and i felt it yeah. and it felt beautiful to see them together as well oh my god it was so beautiful my coulter's skin is flawless oh, so i just want to touch it and i'm so <laughs> creepy I'm to say and jealous because of how smooth it looks like yes, yes. This is beautiful. Let's go into Creepville for a second. That man got some silky smooth skin. He really does. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they cast him for the role because his skin was so damn silky smooth. and (laughs) Like, yeah, okay, you cannot penetrate through this. I can understand. Like, it's it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and and I'm glad that they didn't, um, because I was concerned with Luke Cage's role that somehow he would overshadow Jessica Jones glad that they didn't try to insert him too much into jessica's own story Mm -hmm. tuxedo mask you know which he could have been he could have been the okay jessica needs help he's going to show up at the last minute to save her um and also jessica needs help she needs to call on this guy you know actually that's something i think they did a really good job of as well um when shows make characters so awesome that you want them to team up and you want them to hang out and you want to like i wanted to see trish and luke and jessica 
team up and, and take somebody down. Um, and, and that's something that a lot of shows try to force. They, they give you right. these groups of people who are already together and you just have to like them. And this show did a really great job of introducing all these different characters that I liked enough that I was like, I want to see you all together right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping that this leads to a much larger Defenders team in the future outside of the four. So hopefully, hopefully that works out. You know, there's been some folks out there that really wanted to see the Avengers in this story. And I personally feel like, no, I, I don't really want to see the Avengers right now. I want to see other Marvel heroes and I want to see the Defenders do their thing. And the Avengers will come when they, they need to come. But let's let's focus on this story for a second. Somebody brought up a point and was like, yeah, call Tony Stark, the guy who's about to register all superheroes. Definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, even... Even more than that, I was saying when I first watched it, I love how much Daredevil and Jessica Jones show that the Avengers are not every man's superhero. Right. They're not easy to get in contact with. They're not there to help the common Joe. No, you can't like light a bat signal and get the Avengers <laughs> to show up. Like they're just not available to people. And I, I loved that concept. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And even um, from the beginning, even on a level with Simpson and, and a lot of her friends, like people may have viewed this as stubbornness, but... Jessica knew what she was doing. She knew more than anyone else the villain that she was going up against, and she knew how he could manipulate anybody involved, which is why she did not. Because you know what? You call the Hulk and then kills her, turns around and says, rip that woman in half. You know what the Hulk's going to do. That's going to be all bad. Um, Yeah. Although I I did read... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Please. <laughs> I was going to say, I did read an article that I did agree with, which, which is that it's oddly isolated. So it was weird to me that she wouldn't say any of their names. And it was weird to me that absolutely no random mention, I mean, even on like a news or radio playing somewhere, like there's this mask guy going around sticking people's heads through fences. Like, I just feel like if you live in the same city as this person who is brutally murdering people, even if it's in the name of good, you would like talk about it i don't know that was like weird to me i was like we're not just gonna mention that that one guy okay did and i I had heard somewhere that he that she doesn't know who he is yet that she doesn't know matt murdoch is that right and i can understand and that's what i heard too that she doesn't know who he is but she's a private investigator you know like weird things going on in the city like it just seemed almost too deliberate that they Mm -hmm. weren't mentioning daredevil to me Right. And, of course, we got the payoff later on, but it still wasn't necessarily... Uh, I, I, it almost made the shows feel like they weren't tied together at all, which, after being somebody who's been able to watch Arrow and Flash, you know, is kind of weird. It felt mm-hmm. jarring to me, having Claire in that last episode, that we didn't hear from her during all 12 episodes, and then she shows up, and there's just a lot of dialogue happening with her all of a sudden, and then she kind of drops Daredevil's... She doesn't say his name, but she mentions him. And that's imp- that part to me was just a little off-putting. I would have liked to have seen a, a bigger presence with Claire if they were going to bring her in instead of just dropping her in the last episode and going like, okay, here's a really big Easter egg for everybody because we w- know that you want to hear about Daredevil, so here you go. So th- that right. was just a little off-putting to me. but And it was funny because they could have used her so many times. Like, I, I remember watching episodes be like, are they going to go find her now and get healed? And right. my friend watching it with me knew about the spoiler, so he made this face, but I, I didn't catch it at the time. But it was like, they could have put her in there more. There wasn't a reason to put her at the end except to be like, ooh, 
look how cool we are. I mean, she's essentially like the Nick Fury of the, you know, <laughs> Daredevil, Jessica Jones universe, the Defenders universe. She's the night nurse there to patch them up and, and make sure that they're healed before they go out and fight crime again. So we should be able to see her pretty frequently and not just like in one episode. And that's it. I just got a silly yeah, image okay. of her is Nick Fury's jacket and eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird because I I had talked to I was interviewing Rosario Dawson before the the, the series came out because she was promoting uh, Call of Duty at the time and I was like you know I'd be remiss not to ask you about Jessica Jones and she was very quick about answering it um, and I was like oh well maybe she's hiding secrets or something and it's kind of upsetting because Claire like you said she's the one who's present in like every single one of these shows uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And not surprised that it, if she shows up in Iron Fist as well. And I was really disappointed because I was really excited to see her again. So it was kind of like, oh, you can't bring like a little more girl power into this show. Like, <laughs> like the, the, the dream of seeing like Claire and Trish and Jessica like in the same fight scene doing like what they individually do best uh, would have been really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this was a really great discussion. I am such a big fan of Jessica Jones now after seeing it. I plan on reading Alias and also Hellcat issue one by Kate Leth and and just finding out more about uh, the Hell's Kitchen universe. Um, So thank you so much for talking Jessica Jones with me. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Katrina. And check out Woman Up Podcast, everybody. It's really good. And you can find it on iTunes, and they air again every other Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's that time. It's shameless plug time. Plugging it away. All right, so you should already be subscribed to Black Girl Nerds. And if you haven't, shame on you. That's okay. I forgive you. This is your opportunity. On SoundCloud, subscribe, also comment and like and give us tons and tons of hearts. We love hearts. Also, iTunes, rate, subscribe, let us know what you think, give us comments. Remember, with iTunes, the more subscriptions, the more ratings, the more visibility we get in iTunes. Also, with Stitcher, subscribe, rate us, let us know what you think. These things are important, because guess what? In the podcast space, numbers have meaning. And with numbers come more visibility. And with more visibility include great guests, VIP guests, I should say, and also be able to give you more content, let this podcast evolve in the way it should. So I'm not just asking you this because, hey, I want to be popular. I'm asking because these things actually do matter in the podcast world. So subscribe, rate, comment, tell everybody about it, tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your pets, tell anybody that you think would be remotely interested in listening to our podcast, or even, hey, go look, can you do me a favor? If you like and subscribe and rate this, then you don't have to owe me that money that you had said you've been owing me for the last three and a half weeks. 
do what you gotta do so that way you are showing your support. Also, if you want to financially support us, we welcome anything that you can give us. So you can do that a few ways. You can go to our website, blackgirlnerds.com. There's a PayPal button. Hit that donate button and pay whatever you please. Every little dime counts. It really goes a long way. Also, you can advertise with us on blog ads. Didn't know if you know that, but yes, you can advertise with us. So if you click on the blog ads link, that will take you over to a cart. You can advertise as long as you want and upload all your images. And believe it or not, there have been some very happy clients with blog ads. So take advantage of that opportunity. And finally, guess what? We are having a sale on TeePublic. Yes, all of our t-shirts are $14. They normally go for $20. And they're now $14 because of the Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday sales that are coming up. So if you want to wear some really cool swag for your next convention, if you need to find a really great stocking stuffer for that loved one, purchase a shirt on Tee Public and give you the discounted rate. Tank tops go at $18, crewnecks go at $30, hoodies are $35, we've got wall art up to 20% off. Take advantage of the sale and enjoy it. So make sure to go to our pinned tweet on Twitter, Black Girl Nerds on Twitter. There's a pinned tweet. It's got the link. The link will take you over to the site where you can take advantage of the sale offer and discount. And thanks for your support. And thank you for listening to this shameless plug. Go do those things now. Now, just pause the podcast right now. Go subscribe. Go rate. Go like. Then go to Tee Public, get your shirt, then tell all of your friends about BlackGirlNerds.com, tell them about blog ads, tell them to donate, then once you're done, hit play and get ready for the show. Lauren Warren is a writer, gamer, action, and coffee junkie. She's a contributor at Black Girl Nerds to our gaming segment, and she is the seeker of diversity in all media. Rebecca Theodore is a film contributor and TV contributor at Forbes, Watch Loud, Roger Ebert, Vulture, and is the co-host of At Cinema Noir on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. We are talking about dude broism <laughs> in mm. Jessica Jones. So I am here with two great guests who have been on our podcast. We had our guest Lauren from our Brotriarchy podcast and Rebecca from our Star Wars Sleeping on Women of Color podcast to join us in this lovely discussion about Jessica Jones. So thank you, ladies, for, for coming on and, and talking about this this evening. Thank you for having me. Thank you me. for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, to get started, I just want to let everybody know that we are going to be discussing spoilers. So if you have not seen Jessica Jones yet, I highly recommend that you skip this portion of the podcast. But if you have, then this should be a very interesting one for you to digest. So it, it really started with this weekend, right? November 20th, Jessica Jones drops on Netflix. It's a 13-episode series. Most of us binge-watched it over the weekend. And Jessica Jones, for those who don't know, if you've been living under a rock is about a private investigator who lives in Hell's Kitchen, fights crime, goes through a series of adventures, and is involved in this cat-and-mouse game between her and the main villain, Kilgrave, played by David Tennant, also known as the Tenth Doctor, Doctor Who fans out there. 
<laughs> and also she's joined with Luke Cage, who's very well known in the Marvel Universe with Heroes for Hire, played by Mike Coulter. And Kristen Ritter plays the role of Jessica Jones. Most of us watched it this weekend, and there were a lot of articles that emerged on the interwebs. And I noticed this article myself on Sunday evening after I finished episode 13 from Forbes that was very interesting because this guy was clearly in his feelings about Jessica Jones. And the title of the article was, Jessica Jones Makes Me Question the Point of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to kind of summarize it, his critique of Jessica Jones was the fact that it's so far removed from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that it feels like it's a different show, and to him that that was very problematic. I, I want to start with Lauren, because Lauren was tweeting the article this morning, I had noticed, and it got a lot of attention on Twitter. What, what was your thoughts when you first read the article and just his overall assessment about Jessica Jones? Well, it seemed to almost undermine the fact that we have a standalone show with a female superhero. And his main critique was, why didn't she call on some of the guys to help her? Mm -hmm. um, and that, ooh, that really bugs me. <laughs> uh, why couldn't she just call the Avengers? Or, or why did they just happen to sort of mention uh, the Hulk and Captain America? Like, why couldn't they just show them all the time? in right. every scene. Well, that's because this isn't their show. This is her show. Mm -hmm. And she can stand on her own. Um, and there's no need for her to reach out and call for help. Um, Supergirl ran into that issue a couple of episodes ago where everyone kept uh, asking Kara, why don't you just call your cousin? No, we don't need to call your cousin. We don't need to call those other guys. They're not even in the same... Yes, they are in the same universe, but they're not on the same, they're not in the same neighborhood, you know. So why is there the need to, for the female character to reach out to the men for assistance? It, it was just really, I don't know, it was a little bit insulting to me. A lot insulting, not a little bit. It was a lot. <laughs> and Rebecca, what was your thoughts when you first got wind of the article? I was just shocked because... I was expecting, like, you know, I watched Jessica Jones. I finished um, the whole season last night. And, you know, I I liked it. You know, there were things that I liked about Jessica Jones. There were things that I feel that they could have done better. But overall, I think I think it's a great show, and particularly because it is Marvel's first standalone series with a woman, um, you know, in the lead. I thought they did a fantastic job. So, you know, at all the possible critiques that I could have imagined about Jessica Jones, I could never imagine that the critique was that there weren't enough penises on this show. There right. weren't enough dudes. There were like, why, why didn't Jessica Jones call someone with a penis to save her? Why didn't Jessica Jones call? You know, I was just like, are you serious? And, I mean, I mean she, I, if yeah. she even told Luke to sit down. Why right. Right. anyone else? You've got Luke Cage in front of you and behind you, underneath you, and she still told him to sit down. Right. You know, and I just, as far as like this article and other critiques that the three of us have been seeing from the bro, bro, what is it? Bro triarchy. Bro triarchy. Bro triarchy. Thank you. <laughs> and and I just want to make a note that the bro triarch, the bro triarchy is not just white men because I I was right. especially shocked to see a lot of male blurs yeah. in their feelings over this very empowered 
female empowered show and it was just sort of like well what about me it's not about you you know and i think that was i think that was the beauty of jessica jones was the fact that for you to critique the fact that there weren't enough men just totally tells me that you did not get the point of the show you totally didn't get it because you know between the scenes between jessica and trish and how they would you know shut down officer simpson or just any guy who tried to come in you know with his cape like you said, Lauren, they were like, yeah, you can have a seat. We got yeah, this. We, you know we what got I mean? this. We've we had it before, this. and we don't need you now. So, yeah, take right. it proof. And, yeah. and I don't understand why people are in their feelings. We've had decades, decades of superhero shows that are centered on single, you know, on, on, on heterosexual white males, mm-hmm. right? And so we finally get a show that is centered on a woman and all of a sudden, like, Armageddon is breaking loose. And I just felt like the critiques were not fair because he's, you know, particularly with the Forbes article, it was like, well, why weren't there, um, why weren't there cameos from the Avengers or Tony Stark or whatever? No, I mean, I don't feel that the critiques were the same for Daredevil. I didn't nope. feel that people went in that hard on Daredevil. There may have been a couple of episodes, but for the most part... Let's be clear. These are all the first seasons, right? Daredevil just had his first season. Right. Jessica Jones. This is the origins. You're you're setting the foundation of who these characters are and what they do. And perhaps people are just, you know, so lazy that they don't understand what complex character-driven <laughs> dramas are about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is not about, you know, blowing up buildings and, you know, other worlds or whatever. I, I feel that Jessica Jones in, incorporated you know, the other MCU, I call them the one percenters. I feel like the way that they refer to the event, I feel like this is the way people would really talk about it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people forget that, you know, if you, if you watch Jessica Jones and if you watch Daredevil, what happened in the Avengers, when they refer to it to the event, it's really, and you know, it's really a metaphor for 9-11, which happened in New York City. Right. The average person, you know, who lived in New York when 9-11 happened, there's different terminology that we use. And, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a coping me- mechanism. You know right. what I mean? Like, we don't say, oh, the Twin Towers, you know, fell down. We say 9-11 or we use other terms. But people, you know, who were there and shared that experience, we all know what we're talking about. So to refer to the to the Hulk as the green guy, particularly because Jessica is so snarky, that is totally natural for her to say that. You know right. what I mean? But so they didn't I, overtly refer to the Avengers and Daredevil either. That's why I feel did. like this is such a biased critique. That yeah. I feel like the reach is so strong on this that they had to find something remotely wrong and mm-hmm. this this was their critique. This is what's wrong with it. Oh, well, well, they didn't say the Hulk. They said the green dude. Oh, they didn't mm-hmm. say Captain America. They said and the dude that counted. waves his flag. That's the funny thing, right? He counted. I, I believe he said it drops quite literally like two references okay right. you sat there and counted i mean <laughs> are you that pressed I, I mean isn't that enough because again this is not the avengers show right right it's jessica I, jones these are street level heroes these are not the disney flash bang boom action heroes we're talking about here that right. we get every couple of summers this is mm-hmm. a completely different ball game do we need to have the green guy and the flag waver waved in our face every single time it's referenced to absolutely not that's writing it's lazy writing Uh, all these shows are a means to an end of course Mm -hmm. the end being the Mm -hmm. defenders and Mm -hmm. i think some people are missing that point i think they might think this is maybe a one-time event and maybe they won't get the closure they won't get the answers listen all of this is building 
up to something far bigger. If you didn't get your answers now, I assure you, someone will make sure you get some of those later. So it's, it's, it's just a bit strange that, you know, that whole quite literally like two references just threw me off. I was like, dude, really? Yeah, I, that, that's what I didn't really understand about that. And I feel also that, you know, going back to the fact that we're going into her origin story, we're trying to, you know, explore and expand on her lore. Why do we think that we need Avengers in season one? Have we not entertained the thought that this is going to become a season two and a season three and so on that we Mm -hmm. would introduce them later on? I feel like at this point, it's very premature to enter in the Avengers and it would feel very gimmicky. And Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's completely unnecessary. Like it just doesn't make sense to bring them in. And at this point, Tony Stark, ain't nobody got time for that. He's got robots. Mm. Um, he's got <laughs> world domination and global problems to deal with. He has no time to deal with some weird stalkery guy that's going after Jessica. I feel like at this point, it's way, way premature to bring in the Avengers. I agree. I, mm-hmm. I, I just really don't understand why there has to be a male cosign. It almost feels like there has to be male validation for Jessica Jones to have her own to stand on her own right Right. and when i think about that like looking at you know how people are framing the conversation about you know who they wanted to cameo i'll notice you'll notice that everyone that they at that they that they suggested were all men nobody hardly anyone said black widow hardly anyone said maria hill it was always thor or iron man or captain america it was always like it was always guys yeah, yeah. Or, or no misty night hello they were roommates hello exactly. fearless so, defenders <laughs> yeah no one said that and, and the thing with me is that i i categorically reject this whole idea of the male validation i'll give you two examples of why and how it doesn't work vixen and supergirl we currently have supergirl while i really like supergirl i think you know it's a great cast there's great writing but the thing that grates my nerves i was like can we please stop talking about clark kent can we please stop talking about superman like we understand that is her cousin and of course metropolis or whatever but i i really think that the show is strongest when she steps into her own power and Mm -hmm. she's not relying on clark like that episode last week with livewire love Loved it. Loved it. Because to my knowledge, I don't think there was any mention of Clark, maybe once or whatever. Like, I really want to know about Kara. And, you know, and then the other show, too, is Vixen, right? Mm -hmm. CW couldn't even commit to a live action character of of Vixen. They gave us, like, these little (laughs) four-minute animated clips on CW Seed, which hardly anybody watches, right? Mm -hmm. But because we're the Blur community, we're going to show up and show out for our girls or whatever. But it really annoyed me where you had to see the Flash and Arrow and, you know, the fact that um, Vixen was named by Cisco. While I love Cisco and I understand that's his shtick, on the flash is naming you know superheroes or whatever it just really robbed vixen of her agency in a lot of ways like she needed this co-sign from you know barry allen and oliver queen in order for her to be a hero and that's crap because that totally goes against the origin stories of mario mccabe she doesn't need these guys right you know what i mean so i just feel like these are the two cases of what happens when you rely too much on male validation. And Jessica Jones did the exact opposite of that. And it was 
still compelling. I was because there's so many things going on in Jessica Jones, you know, um, survivor abuse and male entitlement and sexual assault. And, mm-hmm. you know, while I love Black Widow, I, I think Scott Johansson does a great job with her. Again, there are certain storylines that you cannot go there with Black Widow. OK, Black Widow is not, we will never see Black Widow have a talk about pro choice or abortion or should she you know what I mean? Like these are not the conversations that certain MCU characters are going to have. And so the Netflix MCU universe, to me, it's more relatable. I think I was telling Lauren, like, I think it was the first or second episode where Jessica was using the bathroom and then she reached over. She ran out of toilet paper. Girl! That was so real. There was (laughs) a lot of real, there was a lot of real moments. That and then the fact that she owned an Acer laptop, that was so real to her economic situation. I was Mm -hmm. just like, oh my God, yes, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it is the economic situation. And, and that's the thing that I think and, and I actually give props to Marvel for that in the fact that they are acknowledging for the very things that people are, are complaining about. There is a hierarchy and there is classism, yeah. even within the superhero community. Mm-hmm. How could it not? They're human beings. They're just, they're just going to replicate what's in the real world and they're going to replicate it with them, too. Right. So, yeah, there's no way that Jessica Jones would have access to Tony Stark's number. That is ridiculous. That's like me saying that I could call Barack Obama. You know what I mean? If I can't pay my light bill. You know what I mean? Like, these things are just re-damn-diculous. And again, I think what people are forgetting, too, is that the information that we have as viewers and fans of these characters, Jessica is figuring these things out, right? I think you guys, um, we were involved in a conversation in Twitter. Um, I forget who the guy was. He was, like, really, like, on this Tony Stark tip, right? And he was like, wait, why couldn't Iron Man be there? And I was like, well, obviously Jessica did not want people to get involved because of Pilgrave's power. The less people that were involved, the better, right? She was the the only one immune. So, of course, you wouldn't want Tony Stark to be infected, right? And so he was like, oh, well, robots can't be um, controlled by Kilgrave. Good for you. You know that. But Jessica doesn't know that. Right. Right. We, so we, the, we have the yeah. we have the, the we have the actual we have the benefit of being omniscient in this case. And Jessica yes. is not. Right. Um, and usually you have characters who are kind of an audience surrogate and we're learning things with her. But we are already a couple of steps ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Almost seems like in every episode. So, right. yeah, to say, well, all she had to do was just call someone. No. Well, Tony Stark. No. Oh. Well, she had just called the police. No, that's not how this works. No. You we had a scene. We, real we had a scene when where she called the cops and the cops got controlled by Kilgrave, right, or something like that, like something weird. Oh, they ran into a building and Luke threw him right back out again. <laughs> They're that useful. Mm-hmm. She says, "Don't go in there." What do they do? They go in there. One literally comes flying right back out and gets knocked unconscious. Okay, exactly. well, I told you not to go in there. So mm-hmm. there's a reason why you don't call help. There's a reason why you have to take matters into your own hands. And she knew this. She mm-hmm. learned this. We already knew this, but I don't right. understand why it's so hard to see that it works out better to keep fewer people involved, especially the green guy, especially the guy with the long blonde hair and the hammer, especially <laughs> black. But there's no need to bring in the periphery. She can handle it, and she handled it on her own. She and Trish handled things the way they needed to be done. Trish! Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like, do we need the Avengers in everything? It just, no! I feel like I'm. it's very... I don't know. I'm about to have my nerd card revoked right now by saying this, but the Avengers at this point for me, I'm not that interested in their stories as a collective. I really liked Winter Soldier. It's the standout MCU film 
so far of all time. Yes. Um, and, and they did a really good job with, with Steve Rogers' story. Them as a collective with after Age of Ultron, I was just like, meh, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it, it's not that big of I, I want to see other Marvel heroes. There, There's a ton, a ton of Marvel heroes on the roster. And to just always want to insert the Avengers into every single property, it just feels like the, at some point or another, they were going to become saturated. And someone on Twitter actually brought up a really good point about the Avengers movies compared to the Netflix movies in terms of tone, that the Avengers movies is just a whole bunch of action-packed scenes and then inserting a bunch of slapstick here and there and a joke here and there, and that's yep. it. That There's not really a lot of substance. Meanwhile, Daredevil and Jessica Jones are dealing with some really deep psychological issues. It's a thriller. It's a it's a cat and mouse game with Jessica and Kilgrave, which was super intense. And you you don't really see that in the big Marvel movies on on the big screen. So well, you don't have time for it. Right. You know, you're limited to two hours, two and a half hours. And you've got one shot to make this impression, make back your money and get in, get out. And that kind of cat and mouse psychological warfare doesn't go over with the teenagers. It would go right over their head or outright terrify them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we get so accustomed and so almost spoiled with these these popcorn movies, summer popcorn movies, that when something like Daredevil and Jessica Jones comes along, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, it's almost too much. It's it's not quite what people want to process. So then it's okay. Well, I know it's not what I'm used to. So let me find something to pick on. I know I'll pick on the fact that what I'm used to isn't in it right? because I hate change. Yeah. Yeah. I hate change and I don't really want substance. I want to be able to zone out and just mindlessly watch something. And that's not really what you get with these. And I'm not not used to seeing a woman carry a story on her own because really this is the first that we've seen from a Marvel property where the woman is the protagonist, where the woman owns the story, where she has her own agency and mm-hmm. a lot of dude bros, they're not used to that. Because yeah. that tends to happen to Black Widow, I think, a little bit. She becomes sort of a damsel. Uh, yeah. And Jessica Age Jones was kind of Unless we not forget. Um, <laughs> but but Jessica wasn't so much a damsel. She did get a little messy uh, mm-hmm. toward the end of the end of the run. There were a few episodes where I kind of wanted to pull her inside and say, listen here, I need you to <laughs> slow down for a second and think about what you're doing. Um, but that's human, right? She, right. she, she rushes, she makes rash decisions. She's, mm. uh, slightly illogical, but again, she's panicked. She's got this man, um, that she knows is terrifying two steps ahead of her. She's trying to catch him and figure out a way to take him down. I get that she would make a mistake, but I don't understand the need to make this woman a damsel when she is mm. everything, but there is nothing in her fiber. There's no fiber in her being that says I'm a damsel. Oh my God, somebody help me. She mm-hmm. made she came up with interesting ways every episode to rebuke help in every way, <laughs> shape or form. And yeah. I love I absolutely loved it. That spoke to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I and for me, too, it's like I think, too, with a lot of the patriarchy, <laughs> I think the, the thing, too, is that they are so used to having women superheroes looking hot in spandex, right? Yep. Like when they like when they say they want kick-ass women, they only mean it in a very surface way. You know what I mean? Sort of like the way Angelina Jolie was, you know, in Tomb Raider or whatever. Like they just want you to look hot and fight, you know what I mean? But Valerina's they don't in tight clothes with Yeah, a but they don't yeah. yeah, but they don't want to deal with 
the mess or or I should say the complexities of being a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing with Jessica Jones is like, yeah, she had. And that was like the, 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 the whole thing. Right. Was that she had all this physical power, but she was still overcome by this guy who controlled her right. for a year. Right. You know what I mean? Because I remember there was a, that, that conversation that Jessica and Luke had, you know, after they, you know, got it in uh, by the food truck. And I love that scene. And, you know, she was just yes. basically like, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking that I want to be a superhero. And Luke is just like, listen, being a superhero just puts a target on your back. You right. know what I mean? Because we, we deify, you know, these superheroes, but it's, it's hard work. You know, mm-hmm. but of course, it's it's not hard. Again, speaking about the hierarchy, when you have resources like a Tony Stark or a Bruce Wayne or, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? You or Oliver Queen, there are certain ways that you can bounce back. But for just I mean, I'm assuming that Jessica Jones, she doesn't have a lot of money. Like, I love seeing the scenes where she was kind of getting around New York with the cab. You know, or taking the train. Yeah, and then the cab mm-hmm. driver complained about the tip. About the tip, right? And like that, that is so That was so real. real. That was so real. And so, you I know, even speaking about the, the, the sexual assault, I thought that Jessica Jones did a fantastic job speaking about that. Because Kilgrave, I think somebody tweeted this. We've all dated Kilgrave. We have all dated mm. a Kilgrave on some level, in some fashion. And the way that he would turn things around on the victim. Like he was just mm-hmm. basically gaslighting them. Like that scene where uh, Jessica confronted him about the rape, where she used the word rape. And I love that she didn't use her euphemism. She was like, you raped me. And he was like, well, I mean, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if it was, you know, if you wanted me or not. You know what I mean? So it was sort of like he was just kind of passing the buck when you know damn well that's what it is. If you are under the control of somebody like Kilgrave, the sex is never consensual. Right. It just isn't, right? Whether it was Jessica or Hope or any of the other women victims that he had, you know what I mean? He took something from them. He violated them. And I don't, I think for a lot of, or quite a few male viewers, they're not comfortable with this type of conversations. They don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? But this stuff happens. Isn't it like one in three women will be sexually assaulted in her lifetime? Mm-hmm. Right. So even being a woman superhero doesn't make you immune to that. I think in DC, wasn't there, um, there was Dr. Light raped, uh, was it Jean Dibney? I forget who it was, you know what I mean? And then that was when the whole thing, when they mind wiped them and then that started the infinity, like all of that all stemmed from a rape. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. women, even in the in our you know power of being a super, there are some things that we're just not immune to. And I I appreciated that. I appreciated yeah. that you were like, we're gonna have this discussion. We're gonna being have- a superhero doesn't make you invincible no. to the world around you. And yeah. and I and I'm glad that you know she. When she got beat up, she was bruised, she bled, she got dirty, she was grimy. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of shows that don't have that realism. Nope. Um, and I I appreciated that. You know, I appreciate the simplicity, like you said, the simplicity of her life, the simplicity of her wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, she had me looking for my gray infinity scarf after the first yeah. year. So. I love infinity scarf. Um, you know, it was it was there was just so much more I, I don't know. I, there are a lot of men who appreciate the show. I know there are a lot of women who appreciated the show. And there's a tweet that I found from, um, there are two tweets actually from friend of the podcast, Robert Young, and he summed it up perfectly what the problem was. Jessica Jones has a lot of dude shook. She calls out rape, doesn't need any man's help. Her BFF is another badass woman. Her lawyer 
is a badass gay woman with shady morals and a side piece. These <laughs> dudes can't take it that no men are needed. Yep. Yep. That sums it up perfectly. Done. Yeah. That's that is exactly the problem. We have decentered the alleged center of everything that's been the center of everything forever. Mm. Yep. And they don't like it. And we don't care. <laughs> we don't. I love it. We don't. And I, props to Melissa Rosenberg, the showrunner of Jessica Jones, series writer as well. Definitely handled the issues of rape with this character and the Purple Man character played by David Tennant. Because from what I understand in the comics, it's even worse with mm-hmm. the way she's manipulated and raped and um, brutalized by this character. And there were folks, I was on a podcast with Black Comics Chat, and we were all wondering, you know, how are they going to adapt this on the screen, on the small screen with Netflix compared to the way it was in the comics? But I really like the the path that Rosenberg chose with this storyline, and, and it was told in a way that wasn't too far off from the comic, um, mm-hmm. but wasn't to the point where it was exploitative and gratuitous as well. So uh, props right. to Melissa Rosenberg, female showrunner for Jessica Jones. Whoop, whoop. Yay. Um, and that's a big difference when you have a woman showrunner. Cause it does I know, make a difference, yeah. Because I, I know you guys watch Game of Thrones too. Like earlier yeah, this year, yeah, was there was a huge discussion about the depiction of rape. In Game yes. of Thrones, and I have to tell you, in the in the five, I, I joined Twitter in 2010, right? So in the five years of Twitter, I mean, I've gotten my heat, you know, whether it's Ferguson when I talk about social justice or racial equality. I don't think I have ever been trolled so hard as to when I critique the depiction of rape in Game of Thrones. I was mm. like straight up getting death threats. They were wow. just like, "You just need to die," and I was like, "Really? Oh, wow. wow, really?" I was like, "Okay, we can, we can talk about rape, but you can clearly see in Game of Thrones this is how it is treated when it is written by men." Right. And when and to watch Jessica Jones and mind you, Jessica Jones, they never showed anything. They never showed the rape. They never showed the sexual assault. But it was still emotionally powerful. Yes. It was still yes. Yep. resonant. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I just find it interesting that, like, people were defending the rape in Game of Thrones. They yeah. were like, yeah, we need to see it. No, we don't. We don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in what universe do we actually need to see someone suffering? Oh, yeah, I was I was really triggered during Game of Thrones this past season. I was just like... But see, that's lazy can... writing, isn't it? To, to, to have right. it shown so often, that's just lazy writing. They did such a great job at making Kilgrave almost equivalent to the boogeyman before he even made... Before you even saw his face full on. Right. Yes. You know, I was already terrified of this man. Mm-hmm. So when you finally see him full on, it's like, oh, yes, let me sit back from the television just a little bit and take this all in. He was a very powerful force with only just being heard and not even being seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that 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 really left a lasting impression. And I, I think what another thing that shocked me this weekend was seeing how it impressed people so much that, oh, my God, they were actually shipping Jessica and Kilgrave together. Ooh, really? Ooh, yes. yes. Now, I yes. have to say, I I felt that I felt a little bit of empathy and sympathy for his character during various points of the series. And I attribute that to great writing because whenever you create a villain that is likable, you're actually doing something right because the villain is someone who is triggering all of these different emotions. And I felt the same emotions that Jessica herself felt towards him. So I thought they did a great job with that. But never would I think, okay, 
These two need to be together. No, that's gross. Oh yeah, I think Rebecca, was it you that said if if you if you just kind of did a random search for yes. two words put together, mm-hmm. if you did a search for Kilgrave and sexy, the yes. number of tweets that came up saying, "Oh my God, Jessica and Kilgrave are such a great couple." I need you to stop yourself. Like, wow. no. And there were. It wasn't just one. You know, it wasn't. A, it wasn't just a few. It was several. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But there were several. Lots of people saying, "Oh, they make such a great couple. They can work it out. It's a big misunderstanding. He just misunderstood." But apparently, David Tennant said in an interview that um, Kilgrave is misunderstood. But I think it's more of like you said, an empathetic, sympathetic point of view mm-hmm, because right. of the writing and his backstory. But yeah. to actually say these two characters can work this out, it's okay. She just misunderstood him. I have questions. But I think I, I, I partly blame the, the media on that, too, because my sister and I, we, we binge watched Jessica Jones. And, you know, I was showing her the tweets about, you know, the women that were saying that Kilgrave was, sec- was sexy and that, you know, the shipping of Jessica and Kilgrave. And when I thought about it, I was like, this isn't new because I specifically remember and I'm totally dating myself right now. <laughs> um, I remember the whole Luke and Laura seduction scene oh, in General yeah. Hospital. Yeah. And and yeah. when that scene happened, they spe- ABC went like on this blitz, on this promotion blitz where they called it the seduction the seduction. That's what they called it, the seduction of Luke and Laura, right? And so, you know, Luke's alone in, 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 in the disco. Laura's there. She was sort of like this sweet, doe-eyed, you know, newlywed or whatever. And then Luke had been, like, pressed for her, right? And then he pulls her onto the dance floor, and then he starts kissing her. And, it, I mean, like, she literally said, no, 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 no. And then the next scene, you see her uh, by, like, this fountain. Her shirt is ripped. She's missing a shoe. She's clearly been assaulted, but that is that was the route that General Hospital made. And then Luke and Laura sort of created the whole super couple, right? The daytime super couple mm-hmm. thing, right? And they were just like, oh, they just made it look like it was rough sex. And what I love so much was, um, I think maybe like 15 years later, when Claire Labine took over um, General Hospital, um, their son, Luke and Laura's son, his best friend, Elizabeth, was raped. Right. And so they're talking to their son about rape. And then all of a sudden, Laura starts acting really weird. And then that's when she confronts Luke. And she was like, listen, I love you. You are the father of my children, but you raped me. Mm. Oh, and let me tell you something. The fandom for General Hospital, they were so livid. They were like, how dare you rewrite history? It wasn't rewritten because it while she was talking to them, they actually used footage of that flashback from what 1979 1980 it was rape it was not seduction if you look at daytime um i think there was the jack Devereaux uh, character in days of our lives um todd manning in in um one life to live daytime has a very storied history of taking male characters who rape women and then somehow um transform them into like these you know matinee idols mm. right very disturbing yeah, yeah. Oh, I do remember that. Wow. I do. And I remember the Todd Manning. Um, I remember Todd, yeah. Right. Oh, oh, God, yeah. And then they made him into a good guy, but then he became a bad guy again. And now exactly. he's... Did he have a twin? I don't know. At some point, did he have a twin? I don't know. I But I do remember him. Okay. <laughs> Didn't they all have twins at some point? They all either have a twin or they die and come back to life in some some aspect. Yeah, it's just very strange reaction uh, to... To the show, I, like 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 Rebecca said, some of the things that I never would have thought would come up are the ones that came up, and and this poor man at Forbes, like I, I don't know, 
so pressed that that article was actually published twice with a different headline. Different headline, right, right. But when I clicked on it, I was like, wait a minute, that looks familiar. Let me look for that line quite literally, like two references. Yep, that's the same article. Why does this same article have a different headline now? (laughs) And this one was, what was this one? This one was, uh, Jessica Jones disrupts Marvel's grand plan. You sure oh, about that? Gosh. <laughs> What's their grand plan? I mean, obviously, does like he know? Does he yeah, have like, the info that we didn't get? No, right, right. And like, and like they you know. said, Jamie, we we're just in the first season, and uh, you know, the end game is the defenders, right? So right. I don't mind. Like when I was watching Daredevil, not once was I looking for a cameo from Tony Stark or any of the nope. big screen MCU. I was fine. It was complete in itself. Put it to the side, and I, Jessica Jones, and I'm sure with Luke Cage. You know, will be the same thing, and hopefully we'll get Iron Fist, and hopefully we'll get an Asian American Iron Fist. Exactly. But, yeah, the Defenders is is the end game. So like, chill. I was busy like, looking for cameos of Danny Rand or Misty Knight somewhere. Like I was looking for Defenders cameos, not Avengers cameos. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what these folks are talking about. There was somebody on Twitter who broke it down really well about the universes and how each team is able to fight in specific universes. So Mm. this is um, at Kitty underscore Voodoo on Twitter. She says it's a matter of scale. You've got to look at it this way. The Mm. Green Lantern Corp saves the galaxy. Mm. The Avengers save the planet. Mm -hmm. Daredevil saves Hell's Kitchen. Right. Jessica Jones saves her friends. Mm -hmm. And Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire saves whoever's paying. (laughs) And it's pretty I accurate. It. I, I really love that breakdown. Um, yeah. and, and Jessica Jones, you could probably put her in there with Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire because she does the same thing as PI. Yeah. But, uh, right. but, but that makes sense. So that's why it's like stop trying to insert these other teams that don't belong there right now. We're, we're not ready for the Avengers yet. This is Jessica's story. Can she get like five seconds to shine? Can she get five seconds to just tell her story without mm-hmm. having another t- another team overshadow and usurp her in her moment? Mm-hmm. I, I It just, it really bugs me to no end. And here's another thing I want to bring up to you guys. I, I want to mm-hmm. bring up women of color in Marvel and in Jessica Jones specifically. I had written an article this morning about five reasons to watch Jessica Jones on Netflix. You should check that out on blackgirlnerds.com. Um, And in that article, I mentioned diversity and how there is some diversity going on in Jessica Jones, which I'm really happy about. Like Hell's Kitchen, New York City, Contemporary Day looks like Hell's Kitchen. But I still notice, and we had this podcast a little bit ago, Rebecca, where there's no women of color being represented or very little women of color. The the one woman of color, um, Reva um, Cage, doesn't have any speaking lines. Um, And then Luke Cage's mistress, we see her, you know, in and out and that's it. And then we get Claire for the very last episode. But that's it. And it just kind of bothers me because they they went ahead and did a gender bend to Carrie Ann Moss's character who plays Jerry Horgath. Jerry Horgath in the comics is actually Jaron Horgath, which was a white guy. So they, you know, went ahead and did, you know, had the wherewithal to go ahead and change her. Why not take Jerry's lover or her her wife to be a woman of color? Like, I just don't understand why diversity for so many people think, okay, white woman, black man, that's diversity. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I, you know, I already said that that's, that's saying, I mean, you know, when that whole Hollywood reporter um, cover hit last week, right? And I was like, Hollywood just needs a billboard where their motto, their casting motto is all the women are white, all the blacks are men, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, like whenever you watch a show and they try to make a stab at diversity, they throw in a white woman and a guy of color and right. they're like, Ta-da! we're diverse. Well, yeah, said. and I'm like, that's not diversity. That's tokenism. Again, like Ava DuVernay said, she was like, diver- you know, true inclusion is when half the room is diverse. Okay, mm-hmm. when half the room is diverse, then we're talking. But what you're just talking like a spot of chocolate and a whole gallon of milk, like that's it doesn't make it chocolate milk. A drop of chocolate <laughs> doesn't make it chocolate milk. It's just milk that you have to throw away. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I, I just don't understand. Like, while I loved Jessica Good Jones, again, like I just relocated back to New York. I tried to make it work in Maryland. And I was like, okay, I, New York is for me. But being back in New York, just walking around, like the first couple of days I was back, I was just walking up and down the streets and, you know, meeting up with friends or whatever. And I was just like, everywhere I looked are women of color, black, Latina, Asian. And I was just like, I'm not sure which universe you guys are trying to depict where there are not women of color with agency. You know what I mean? I was I was very happy. And I'll tell you, I did a happy twerk when I think it was the episode where Luke tried to hire Jessica and she was like, Oh, I can refer you to Angela, um, Angela Del Negro. And I was like, Oh my God, she just mentioned White Tiger. Oh my God. And I've been like I have been on a on a on a campaign for White Tiger for so long and I my first casting choice is Gina Rodriguez mm. I just from Jane the Virgin I just yeah. see her she's fantastic and so when she mentioned Angela I was like my heart just beat so fast so I'm hoping for see for the second season of Jessica Jones I love what they're doing I love how they have this female empowerment but let's not just make it white women let's make it you know let's bring in Angela let's bring in Misty Knight you know and I was saying that Marvel has a really good gallery of Latina characters more so than DC you know what I mean so you Mm -hmm. could like I was I was thinking um another character they could bring in I I don't know what the rights would be but I think she used to be an X-Men her name is uh Celia San Miguel um she's she's a mutant well I guess they can't use the word mutant in the show but she's a doctor she 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 tried to be you know, a superhero. And she's like, you know what? This isn't really for me. I would much rather be a doctor. So she runs a hospital in Harlem or somewhere in New York City. And I'm thinking when you have street level superheroes, while you have Claire Temple, sometimes you need a doctor. Sometimes mm-hmm. a nurse isn't enough. So, you know, a character like Celia would, would really work in that universe. You know, not to mention I'm waiting for Colleen Wing with Misty. Like there's a lot of interesting women of color oh and monica rambo oh my god monica freaking rambo come on like you know and of course i mentioned that on twitter and here come the well actuallys right and they're like well luke cage is gonna have three women of color and i was like good for luke cage (laughs) but that's just one notice i said mcu okay so you can't just delegate all the black women just to luke cage because that becomes a sort of segregation right like they should be spread throughout the mcu is all i'm saying like the yes, big they speakers. are in the comics so why yeah. do you do the same thing in the show right. why would you, why right. do we have to have five in one show and say okay see there you are are you happy <laughs> no no we want all the shows just like you've had right, right. Yeah. And I and I made a mistake earlier, so I know Twitter loves to do the well actuallys. So um, I had mentioned that Jessica Jones and Misty Knights were roommates, and that's incorrect. It was Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. So just I stand corrected in that. No, I want to see them. 
I want to say that. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, look, uh, there's a great comic. If you haven't read it already, um, you should definitely check it out called The Fearless Defenders. And it features Valkyrie, Misty Knight, Daniel Moonstar, Warrior Woman. And these are women that are of all different nationalities and backgrounds. And um, LGBT representation is in the comic. So I, I just Marvel does it. Marvel has these properties. They they have the capacity to diversify women of color. And yeah. I we just have not been able to see that transcend on screen yet. And I. I don't know why, but I'm hoping with Missy Knight appearing in Luke Cage that we will see something emerge. And damn it, I I think she needs to have her own show. Because at this point, she's got to be in Iron Fist. If she's going to be in Luke Cage, she's got to be in Iron Fist. She's got to be in The Defenders. So why not give her her own series at this point if she's going to be a reoccurring character? I'd rather see that than to see a third iteration of a Spider-Man film. <laughs> exactly. And big connection to Tony Stark. You know, right. so yeah. it yeah. just makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think we were having a discussion. I, well, Laura and I were talking about Misty Knight and the fact that her character is so fascinating that... I don't know. I mean, I I know they already have their lineup for the Defenders, but Misty could really carry her own series if you really think about it, because you're talking about a woman of color who, you know, becomes disabled. Right. And then, and, you know, you're you're fitted with this bionic arm. And I think you could really go into the dynamics of what it's like as a woman when you lose a part of your body. Right. Yeah. Like you you right. feel like insecure. Like, what's it like when you don't feel, um, you know, you don't, you don't feel, beautiful. feel like, you don't feel whole. You don't. Mm-hmm. And, like, and how do you do your hair? Right. You're I mean, you know, Misty is natural. Like, I know I have to do my flat twist or whatever at night. Like, how do you do that with one arm? And of course, I'm sure there are women who do it. But like to actually see her, um, you know, go through that journey and, and walking into her destiny as a superhero. It shouldn't just be, oh, she loses her arm. She gets fitted with a bionic arm and then, you know, all things are good. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, OK, I know that Ava was not down with the agenda for Black Panther while she turns it down. I think Ava would be perfect. perfect Like I feel Netflix would be more of a fit for Ava because she would be able to, she would be able to talk about the things that the MCU big screen universe would not allow her to talk about. You know what I mean? Because if Jessica Jones can talk about sexual assault and all of these things, then we should be able to have a space with women of color where we can talk about racism and we can talk about the, you know, the, the dynamics of white women, white feminism and women of color. Cause I think someone sent me a panel where Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau got into it a little bit. You oh, know what I mean? Like oh. they were kind of like, yeah, like Monica was like, you don't know what my, what my journey is like. You know what I mean? Because they both have had the mantle of Captain Marvel, but of course right. Carol Danvers is always the one that's seen as, you know what I mean? The Captain so, Marvel, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's, yeah, she's been in it longer, so they didn't really give her a long enough run, Monica Rambeau, they to did. be Captain Marvel. So that's why Carol Danvers is indelibly printed in a lot of geeks' minds, because yeah. she's held that title a lot longer, which is right. unfortunate. Yeah. One thing... Oh, what, oh, I'm sorry, just, just quick, with Celia, uh, the Celia, it wasn't Celia San Miguel, it's Cecilia Reyes. I'm sorry, because I'm trying to correct the, well, actually, Cecilia Reyes, she is a doctor. (laughs) I think she's a doctor at our Mother of Mercy Hospital in New York City. I'm like, come on, you could throw her in the Netflix universe. That's that's an easy sell. Well, I mean, you can bend bend and twist this in any way, shape, or form for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can add characters if we, you know, we we race bend uh, Ben Yurik and Daredevil 
Yes. It didn't quite work out for him, but that's okay. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, Detective Clemens met the same fate. But, you know, uh, we can keep bringing people in to make sure we have this inclusive roster to right. have more women, to have more women of color, to have more women, period. Um, for every man that we can throw in there, we can throw in at least three more women. And I'm pretty sure there are many more who have their stories yet to be told. So, yeah. so can I bring up the elephant in the room really quick? Yes. Sure. It's been super quiet on social media. And I mean, it's still new because it just dropped on Friday and it's only Monday. We're recording this on a Monday. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't really heard many people talk about the interracial relationship between Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And hear me out here, because mm-hmm. whenever we talk about interracial relationships where it's a black woman, white male relationship, people mm-hmm. get really super sensitive and they're in their feelings about that. Case mm-hmm. in point, scandal. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even though we know this is canon, this is the way it was in the comic books. I'm just curious to know how many people will speak up and hopefully none. But I'm curious to know if there's going to be any sort of um criticism and commentary towards Misty Knight and Danny Rand when that story runs. Because it seems like there always is a problem whenever we see black women in relationships with non-black men. But when it's, you know, the other way around, crickets, I I don't don't hear anything. Won't that matter depending on which way they go with Iron Fist? If they go with an Asian-American Danny Rand as opposed to a a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Danny Rand? Ugh. I I honestly, I don't think it'll matter either way. I mean, I think if it's either if he's white or if he's Asian, I feel Mm -hmm. like people still have something to say. But you're you're right. It it should be interesting if they go down that path. I have a feeling I hate saying this. I don't think they're going to choose an Asian Iron Fist. Just from what I've been reading on the interwebs, um, I I think they're going to go with the white dude. But. Oh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that's going to pan out. So I'm going to wait. I'll refer to this podcast if, if I see anything. Mark, <laughs> if I see any dissent. In which we said this. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's just been really quiet. And I, I haven't really heard any backlash or, or criticism of their of their relationship. And, you know, there were, there were a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. sex scenes on the show. So yeah, I, I'm, right. I'm surprised it hasn't sparked a discussion yet. Maybe people were just slightly preoccupied with that to process and then say, <laughs> I might have a problem with this. I might need to watch one more time to make sure I have a problem with this. Right. And maybe I'll say something about it. Well, I mean, I think um, there, there's a couple of things at, at play here. I think one, you know, Mike Coulter and Kristen Ritter have great chemistry together. They do. Right. And so I think, you know, you're there are two characters who are lost. There's they're both on a journey of finding themselves. And so they kind of find refuge in each other. So it makes sense. It's not like they're just thrown randomly together. Um, I think the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, as far as like because. I think we had a discussion with, um, uh, I follow him, Dr. Jason Johnson, and he's actually writing oh, yeah. a book on the history of the depiction of interracial um, couples on um, film and television. Mm-hmm. And what what is kind of interesting is that if you're looking at TV, at least currently, right, if you're mm-hmm. looking at TV and to an extent of film, um, the combination is black woman, white man. Right. So we see it in Scandal. We see it. And now being Mary Jane is kind of, you know, entering the interracial waters. So we're seeing, you know, we've seen quite a few of black, uh, black women, white men. 
But if you look at the actual U.S. census data, the majority of interracial couples is actually black men and white women. Right. So actually, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones is actually more realistic. Yes, more black mm-hmm. women are dating white men. But yeah, the, the numbers are showing that there is it does lean towards the black man, white woman um, combination. I personally don't think anybody should be saying anything because if you can, if you're team OLEDs, if you don't have a problem with scandal, <laughs> then you can't fix your face to be like, well, I don't like Jessica Jones. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you you can't have it both ways, you know what right, I mean? And so right. I would hope that people would put some thought into it. And I think the other thing too, that, that, that is most important is that how Mike Coulter or how Luke Cage was, was framed within Jessica Jones, he was not caping for a white woman you know what right. i mean like if it like if they had written it like she was the damsel in distress and luke cage kept coming to the day i think it would have rubbed black women the wrong way and i can understand that but because of the fact that she was sort of like very independent and she was just like and at some point she was pushing luke away like i don't yeah. need your help mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i think that's what kind of helped it i think there was that balance of you know they're two equals and you know she doesn't really need him to save her or whatever and that wasn't just a black man that's any man that she was in contact with so Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that definitely helped yeah if it had gone the other way then yeah we would have been rioting (laughs) you know what's funny though i don't think and i i I forget who said this and it's funny i've had so many conversations about this show but i don't think the whole jessica kilgrave shipping thing would have happened if Mm -hmm. kilgrave were black Yes, I agree because, with that. Because, mm. you know, Tenant is maybe because, you know, it's the doctor, you know, whatever. People mm. are having trouble separating him from his character. So therefore, David Tennant is sexy, the sexy villain. But if Luke, well, I shouldn't say Luke, if Mike Coulter played a sexy villain, mm. I think he would be definitely perceived more as a threat. And there'd be no shipping there because the scary black man would be hurting Jessica. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, I, I, I think that's a bit, it's, it's a bit weird to me. So on the flip side of what you're saying, um, yeah, we had this, the Olitz look and we had the Jessica Jones look, but I really think if things were switched and, and Mike Coulter played a villain, yeah, that whole shipping thing, that whole sexy villain thing would be out of the window. Oh my God. He's right. a menace. Yeah. And and I only bring that up because I just always hear a lot of dissent on the interwebs and on social media towards scandal and how to get away with murder and all of these roles of black women in relationships with white men. But whenever Mm -hmm. I see other TV shows where it's the other way around and it's black men with white women, I don't hear that same kind of criticism and backlash. But also so look at the ages like of those protagonists, too. You mentioned uh, how to get away with murder. I think mm-hmm. even Viola Davis herself has said it's refreshing to see a woman at my age getting some on TV. <laughs> a black yeah. woman my age getting some on TV is a rare thing, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Right. 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 Some way, shape or form that came out. But, you know, you know mm-hmm. um, and and Carrie Washington and Tony Goldwyn, too. They're not they're not youngsters. Mm hmm. But mm. I, I think maybe it's 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 the issue with it's ageism. We're used to seeing younger people having all the fun, and now we've got a more realistic crew, and people are like, I don't like this. But this is how the real world looks. Right, right, right. And and I think too, particularly too, because Jessica doesn't fetishize he she doesn't fetishize um, Luke, right? Like even no. when she introduces like when Trish 
meets Luke and, you know, oh, uh, Jess and, Trish. yeah, and Jess and Trish were talking about Luke or whatever. Now, if Trish had said something like, yeah, that's a, you know, he's a fine chocolate, blah, blah, blah. I would have turned the show off. I was like, okay, bye. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they talked about him like he's just, he's an attractive he's man. He's a guy. Yeah. He's a guy who, who happens to be black. You know, as far as interracial couples, it's 2015, and I yeah. think we just, you know, this Get is the world it. that we live in, and people are marrying and dating interracially, and, and I think as long as you take care in how you frame the relationship and how you write the relationship, then people will be open to it. If you write the two people as human beings and not just the color of their skin and not a stereotype, like they did, like, I'm so glad that they not, they did not portray Luke Cage as like the black stud. You know, the black sexual stud. Like right, the had feelings. yeah. Yeah, Character. he had feelings and emotions, and he was complex, and you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, thank God. Yeah. So. <laughs> good, this is this is good. I, I hope that they treat Danny and Misty the same way. It, I, I I'll, so. That will remain to be seen, but I, I really enjoyed this discussion tonight. This was a really good chat about Jessica Jones. I'm so excited that this show took off so well. I had high expectations going in and it actually exceeded my expectations. Binge watching it was the best thing that I'd done all weekend. I'm just sad that now I don't have anything else to watch. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys for coming on. And real quick, give us your social media shout outs, your websites, where we can find your work. We'll start with Lauren and then Rebecca. Well, you can find anything I've written on blackgirlnerds.com, and uh, my Twitter handle is I am Lauren P. Uh, um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, handle is at filmfatale underscore NYC, um, and you can also follow. I have a blog. It's filmfatalenyc.blogspot.com. 